0: How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Hiring Success Podcast. First and foremost, on behalf of everyone at Smart Recruiters, I would just like to say that I, we rather, hope that you're doing well and in good health. You definitely don't need me or anyone else for that matter to tell you that the last couple of months have been surreal. They've been chaotic and, to a large extent, marked by total uncertainty. The coronavirus outbreak has disrupted nearly every aspect of our day-to-day lives, in particular the economy. Many businesses are already dealing with the resulting consequences of the global economic downturn. Thousands of Americans have already been laid off, and by some estimates 3 million jobs, as well as the irreplaceable sense of stability and security that comes with them, could be lost by this summer. That is a reality that no one should have to face due to circumstances that are beyond their control. As a company, we feel a very clear responsibility to help our customers, our friends, and everyone in our orbit navigate the difficulties that lie ahead with the resources that we have at our disposal. As an example, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, we've already shifted our innovation internally to areas where we can help businesses and candidates the most, such as internal mobility improvements to help companies source and keep existing talent as well as enhancements to our CRM to help companies maintain a healthy candidate pipeline in preparation for when the economy inevitably improves. We've also started tapping into the wisdom of talent leaders in our network who can offer companies actionable insight and tips on how to navigate hiring during a crisis. Furthermore, we are regularly going to start sharing some of our best resources on recruiting and hiring to help your business adapt strategically and successfully to current events. Point in Case, today's podcast episode, which features a recording of Denise Moulton's presentation at this year's Hiring Success Conference on the topic of recruiting in a recession. Denise is the Vice President of HR and Talent Research at Burson Deloitte Consulting. Not only is she more than qualified to talk about this topic in great detail, she also frames the discussion in a manner that's lighthearted and refreshing, which makes it more approachable considering its seriousness. This episode is one that you'll want to bookmark and save for future reference, be sure to keep an eye out for similar content that we'll be sharing with you in the near future. You can find it by visiting our blog, following us on social media, or visiting our newly launched online community for TA leaders, HiringSuccess.com. You'll find all of those links in the description for the episode, so please check them out. Until the next time, take care, stay healthy.
1: All right. so this is Recruiting in a Recession, How to Thrive Without Deep Pockets. I know last year, those of you who were here, a very good friend of mine, Matt Charney, may have talked a little bit about this. We're going to talk about the other side of it, but recruiting in a recession is something that we probably should be getting used to, the concept that it may happen this year, next year, who knows? The idea is we're always recruiting regardless of what the economic situation is around the world, so I'm here today to talk about how your function can thrive even if you have no money. Now I remember I was a line recruiter, a working desk recruiter for years. I've implemented six TA technologies, tons of programs, built social media, I've done it all on a shoestring budget. So I come from a place of experience. I love being surrounded by my people. It's awesome. And I love telling people just sort of about some of um, a combination of what I did and what I see all of our friends and our members do in their everyday work. And then we blend that with our research because we validate what we say. So behind the scenes at Burson, we say we don't make up stuff. So this is everything we're talking about today is based on validated empirical research. But anyway, none of this should be mind blowing or surprising to you. However, you may find, what is most surprising is you may find that what we're going to be talking about is basically things that are forgotten. Okay. So here's a quick um, overview of what we're going to be talking about today. So first, Future of TA. Couple quick minutes. Bear with me. I'm a researcher. I have to do this. It makes me very uncomfortable not to share how smart we feel about what we think about the future. Um, we're going to talk about how you can all think about unlocking some hidden talent potential in your organization. And again, doing so with very little resources. That's the key. Because I don't know about you all. When I worked in recruiting, I had a tiny little team, a tinier little budget, and I had about 80 open recs at any one given time, and they were all VP level or up. It was, Heck. Um, and then last, um, we're going to flip it around a little bit. We're going to talk about what are your lessons from the front line. What are you hearing in the marketplace? What are you seeing your colleagues do? What is your own organization doing? Because the most important thing about these sessions is not to listen to me because I promise you at 28 minute mark, you're gonna be hearing my Rhode Island accent, it is not pretty. But what's really cool is when you all talk with me and each other about what you've done, what lessons you learned, what is really sucky and it's hard and help this community of folks get us past it. We wanna start moving the needle on some of these things so that's what we're here for today. So remember that, when you hear me, start thinking about, here's something I wanna say, and then you're gonna notice there's some microphones in the aisles, let's have a dialogue right here, right now. That's how we learn, that's how we grow, and that's how we help each other. Finally, of course, join the conversation. If you see something you like, you hear something I said, please tweet about it. If you're using your phone, I'm going to assume that you love me, and I'll say more. Deal? Let's go. All right, watch, five minutes. I said five minutes, maybe less, future of TA. Agile, augmented and evolving, right? So nowadays TA is doing so, so much more than putting a singular butt in a seat. Remember those post and pray days? They're gone, things have changed. So TA has to really think about and focus on building the workforce of the future. Our bursts and research prove that the most high-performing organizations are so integrated across their business that they know so much about how the business is going, how it's growing and what type of talent it's needed to get there, that they're actually in lockstep. And they are thinking five, six, seven, eight, nine years out when they're hiring for today. So we're not just putting a butt in the seat. Always remember that. Second. Thank God we're leveraging technology, finally, and thank you to smart recruiters for having some kick-butt technology that's helping us make it so much more easy to use our technology. But we're using technology now to redesign work, and the good news is things are getting better. Right? Next, told you I'd do it quick. Um, The future TA function understands that it takes so much more than traditional skills to get work done. They understand that capabilities, those enduring human capabilities are necessary for success. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna hear a lot about capabilities in the coming year. Next, the future function that we all love so much is actually seeing change, knows that change is a constant and is tired of running after change. You're right there with it. You envision it, you can be ahead of it, you're not responding and reacting, you're with it. You're in the game, always playing. The future function communicates purposefully. Now you're thinking, yeah, of course, we talk to our hiring managers, right? We talk to our leaders, we talk to our talent. Well, we're communicating about everything nowadays. We're communicating with the people that we know we are never gonna hire this person, but we're gonna make a relationship with them because that matters. Because the external environment is watching everything we do, everything. There's social media, there's, there's news everywhere. If you're not communicating purposefully, putting out content that matters, responding when things are sticky or ugly, they will catch you, so think about that. And finally, the future TA function, is my favorite, I get all excited, operates with agility and adapt- adaptability. Now, when I was a working recruiter, we'd set a TA strategy in January based on our current headcount, and we'd say, go. And then, the middle of the year, something would happen, and things would just slow down, speed up, and we'd say, oh my goodness, what do we do? We're not resource. Our technology can't support it. We're confused. And I had like eight little recruiters running around saying, help me, help me. Mm-mm, no more of that. We have to be in the moment and we have to be flexible and able to adapt our strategies, our practices, everything as our business context changes. So I think that was probably way less than five minutes. So I'm super proud of myself, but the big news is there's a lot of possibilities ahead. It's a really good time to be in the talent side of the business. I love being in talent acquisition. I love writing about talent acquisition, but the reality is, and I speak from experience, we cannot boil the ocean overnight. So when members and organizations come to us and say, help us transform, we have to do, and they roll out like this laundry list, we have to do all this. It's like, well, pick the thing that's most important and start there. Small incremental wins lead to big victories. So again, you can't tackle it all, but you really can dream and envision what your future state looks like. And thankfully we have great technology that's gonna help us get there. And thankfully we have tons of free research out there that can say, here's some ideas. But what's interesting is for as much as we have this awareness, that TA absolutely has to change. We all know it, raise your hand if you think there's something in your TA function that probably has to change. Be honest, come on, come on. Anyway, oh, Rhode Island, you catch that. Um, It has to change. We have no choice. The TA function cannot simply press pause and say, I will get back to you business, but first I have to figure out why our workflow sucks. Give me a few weeks. Doesn't work that way. We have to move in the flow. We have to do talent solutions in the flow of work. We have to constantly respond. We have to address fire drills. So we've gotta be in the business, but constantly evolving and nurturing and changing. So on the next couple of slides, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna talk about three very distinct opportunities that can help us get at that big question. How can we thrive with empty pockets? How can we still recruit when we don't have any money? How can we make do with what we have and not feel like we wish we had a bigger budget or more teams or a whole bunch of extra helpers? There's lots of ways. And what's interesting is when I'm talking to you about this stuff, a couple things I'm gonna own, this stuff is not mind blowing. You're not gonna say, oh my God, I went to this conference and Dee said something about internal mobility. I had no idea. You had the idea, trust me. Everyone has the ideas. We just can't do anything with them. That's why we're here today. So if when I'm saying something, you say, oh my God, I just did that, please tell us. If you have to interrupt me, go ahead, but you can also save it for the end. So the first one I teed it up, my favorite, internal talent marketplaces. So the concept of internal mobility is not new to any organization. In fact, in 2018, Burson Research, our high-impact talent acquisition research, found that the most high-performing organizations are actually five times more likely, five times, to embed a strategic approach to internal mobility into their TA strategy. That sounds awesome. Imagine being that good at internal mobility. But here's the thing. The ugly and often unfortunate underbelly of internal mobility is that we are still living in a talent hoarding culture. Who wants to give up their top talent to their neighbor down the hall? Nobody. Why would you want to? Because then you have to rely on TA to do what? Backfill a position, you have what? No confidence they can do that quickly enough. Creates a horrible cycle. And here's what's even uglier about internal mobility. Our 2019 human capital trends report found that nearly one half, 46% of leaders surveyed we surveyed surveyed over 10,000 organizations, said 46% of their leaders resisted internal mobility. So yeah, the most highest performing companies, they're doing it, but I can promise you, nobody else is. Now, I am not gonna read this slide to you to give you ideas of how you can start to foster a better approach to internal mobility in your organization, but I can tell you, if you look at that, three of those four boxes require absolutely no money, zero. So the question I ask every organization is, Why are you not talking to your internals? And let's get one thing straight, guys. Internal mobility is not about promotions. It's not about filling just vacancies. Internal mobility is about helping your people, your human capital, your most valuable assets, find ways to grow, and develop and chart a course with your organization which tells them I'm gonna stay with this company because they're gonna invest in me, they're gonna help me grow my skills and my capabilities and I can move wherever I wanna go in this organization because they want me to. But there's a couple of things on this slide that are not being done. When I say not being done, Burson research that we did in 2018, we revalidated in 2019, organizations are falling down on each one. So I hope you're thinking about that. We're gonna keep going. Next, the alternative workforce, you can call it the gig economy, you can call it your flexible workforce, you can call it your temps. The alternative workforce is mainstream. We're seeing it all the time with solution providers and tech providers. Every time we get on the phone with someone, they say, guess what we're working on? We're coming up with new opportunities to manage temporary workers or flex workers or whatever the case may be. It is absolutely mainstream. And actually there was some research that was done that estimates in 2020, and that's right now, the number of alternative workers in the, I think it's globally, was supposed to rise to 42 million. So I'm telling you, 42 million is a pretty big number. And that number is here to stay. And what's even more frightening is that same body of research, it was our Human Capital Trends, found that while that number of projected alternative workers is actually tripling, Only 8% of organizations have credible processes and practices in place to manage the alternative workforce for their organization. That's not even talking about optimizing. That's scary, and if you think about why it's scary, and I'll kind of just go forward here, is we're talking about nowadays, organizations are moving towards becoming a social enterprise, right? A social enterprise is an organization who is focused on balancing profit-making with having a purpose and giving workers meaning and providing a sense of belonging. But here's the thing. The alternative workforce is often treated by many organizations as disposable people. Ah, they're here to cover maternity leave. Maybe they're just doing some extra, you know, whatever, filing or something along those lines. The fact is, is these are not disposable workers. And we said just a minute ago, internal market, when we talk about internal marketplaces, we have to really show our talent how we're investing in them. Similarly, if we have alternative workers sitting side by side with an on-balance sheet employee, and we're treating them differently, something's going to go wrong. Now, here's what's interesting. If the alternative workforce is mainstream, it's here to stay, and it is, and it's growing, and we don't have processes and practices and embed treating these workers as a valuable resource, as part of the company's DNA, what are they gonna do? A, they probably never come back and do another assignment for you, but they also may walk out the door and say, wow, I just had a job over at you know, ABC Corp, and they treated me like crap. I never wanna go back there. That's a message. That's a touch point. That goes out to any employee that wants to listen, or potential employee. So why are you treating your alternatives any differently than your FTEs? Now, of course, there's rules. There's legal stuff, we got that, we're all HR people, we understand what's right and what's wrong. But the fact is, is that all workers, regardless if they're on or off balance sheet, wanna feel they belong in your organization, they wanna feel like their contributions matter, that they're being recognized, and that they can do their best work, period. So we have to find different ways to optimize the alternative workforce. Last one. I say they're all my favorite one, but this one's really important. So we as TA leaders, and you're gonna see a lot of this coming up, and I'm gonna do a little plug for my research, and my my colleague Mackenzie Wilson is sitting right here, we have lots of really cool research coming out, is the rise of capabilities. So we have to start accessing capabilities, not just skills. You're thinking, great, you want me to do something more? So capabilities, or enduring human capabilities, are the new currency for talent. You're saying, this girl's smoking something, what is she talking about? Um, So capabilities, now think about, I'll, I'll put it really simply, what happens to milk in your refrigerator after about 10 days? Stinks, right? What do you do with it? Toss it out. If you hire someone today that has a resume full of a whole bunch of skills, how awesome is that? It's so cool. What happens when your work changes and the future of work comes and says, hey, we need to be more digital? Or hey, we have to have people that have different types of capabilities like curiosity and creative thinking and adaptability and teaming? And you look at all these people and all these great folks that have skills. You're not gonna toss them out like old milk. We have to think of a couple of things when we think about the rise of capabilities in our organization. And for talent acquisition, it's really hard. I was speaking at a conference a couple months ago and I I, I talked a little bit about this and a recruiter leader came up to me and said, hey, I'm concerned. I don't know how to tell my team how to hire for capabilities and how do I measure them. So that's an issue, we have to figure that out. Anyway, I don't wanna spend a lot of time on this, but just know that In the future of work, and in the future of everything that's happening in talent acquisition, we need to apply a new lens, and a new mindset, and we need to start hiring for things like potential, culture fit, and all of these capabilities that matter so much, because here's the thing. Every person in this room has a unique skill, and that's awesome, you always will need a skill. But what we all have, and it's all very different and diverse, is we all have different capabilities. And when you're at work, And your work, your, your organization is providing meaningful opportunities and you feel like you belong and you're really firing, you're like doing good stuff, you are going to use the capabilities that inspire you. You're going to do things that fire you up. If you're at work and someone, like say for instance, you like to do PowerPoint, and someone says, I need a presentation for tomorrow, and you jump into gear, and you start building the best presentation, and the whole world knows about it, you feel darn good about that. That's a capability because you're creative and you're curious, and yeah, the skill is building a PowerPoint, but you could maybe tell that story, it's a storytelling thing. That's going to make you do your best work. It's also going to make you feel much more engaged with the organization, and it creates what we're calling a talent magnet culture. Don't you wanna go work for a company that cares about your development, that cares about doing more than making sure that we're gonna reskill or upskill, that we're going to allow you to be your best self and bring your best capabilities to work, and more importantly, is going to give you exposure to different opportunities to build things that you don't even know you need right now. But in five years, I bet you, you may. So that was a very, very quick three things. We talked about internal talent marketplaces. We talked about um, the alternative workforce going mainstream. And we're talking about the rise of human capabilities. And that was just a few ideas of what we have to think about in talent acquisition. And we have to think about how can we start to really change our mindset, going back to that adaptability concept that I I presented earlier, and we have to think about, how can we start moving the needle forward on a couple of these things? Now, I know at Burson, we talk to companies all the time, and they're talking about these things every day. There is not a week that goes by where we don't have a member call and say, hey, Denise, I need to talk to you about X, and it's probably one of these items. Or, hey, I wanna share this story of how we're starting to move the needle forward, and it's probably not one of these items. And it's a, it's a number of other things. But there's a couple things that come along with this. All of the stuff that we're suggesting requires not only just a new mindset and a new lens, it also requires that TA kind of go into selfie mode and say, oh man, I have to change the way I'm doing my work. And I'm not sure the capabilities that I have today are applicable for what my organization needs in the future. So just like we are asking that of how we go out and look at talent, we have to look at ourselves as well. So that's something to think about. This was a really quick crash course on three things that are all validated by research, and I think they're very exciting. But I hope there's a brave soul out in that audience that wants to talk a little bit about things they're seeing in their marketplace, in their company, or challenge me, ask me a question, and make me really uncomfortable, because I would love to have dialogue. So who's got courage and wants to stand up and talk about what they're doing? Anyone? I see some smiles, so. Or do you want me to tell you about companies who are doing these things right? You want? Nope, nothing? Okay, right here. Could you go up to the mic so everyone can hear it? Thank you. I love when people are brave.
2: My name's Naomi. I um, am a senior talent acquisition advisor um, for a CPA firm. Um, it's a national CPA firm, and I lead their Western US pro- practice as well as our wealth advisory. Wow. Um, so, tax audit and consulting and wealth advisory. So, the first thing that you had brought up in regards to internal ta- um, talent marketplace, it's something that we really, over the last few years, have really made a huge push for. Um, the first thing, I think we were pretty much online, um, we needed to, we rolled into a new software so that it could actually um, be capable of doing something like that. I will tell you one of the most challenging things is getting the hiring managers Mm -hmm. or the leaders to buy in. Because especially if it's somebody that's really good and they want to go to either a different practice or just their career has put them in a place where maybe for work-life balance, they just want to step down a bit. Mm -hmm. If they're really that great, um, most hiring managers do not want to let go of that person. So how do you overcome that? It's been something that we've been working on for years. Um, In my firm, personally, um, we have a lot of offices. So we a, do it be um, for if somebody wants mobility, if they actually wanna relocate somebody somewhere, but it's also to follow a career path. So one of the big um, staples within my firm is career opportunities, but also following the career growth of what somebody wants. So with that, we had to have buy-in. That was the number one thing, is having buy-in between all leadership. Yeah. Um, and the thought behind it was, if you do not listen to your employees, and this is really what resonated with leadership, if you don't listen to your employees, And they want to, they've come to a place in their career, although they love what they do, and they're probably great at it, but if they have, they came to a place where they either A, want to shift somewhere, or they want to move somewhere, and if you don't listen to them, they're going to go to another company. So that's something that really resonated with all of our leaders. And instead of us losing that talent, if they're that great, why don't we utilize the talent that we have already? So that has really got buy-in. Don't get me wrong, there's challenges. Um, If somebody's um, a superstar on their team and knowing that you're going to lose them is really going to change not only for um, your client interactions, but also um, just for your business itself, it's hard. Um, We have something that we have in our firm that we call the alumni plan. And what it is, is it's not a two week notice and it's not if you're gonna go to another. Um, If you want to change either one, the location of your office, or if you too want to change um, just what you're exactly doing your job duties to something else, then you go on an alumni plan. And what it is again, it's not a two week; it's typically a six month to year transition. We will train you during that time, but it will you'll also do your job, and you will allow us time to be able to um, either backfill that position or transition somebody else or train somebody into that role. So that's something that's helped our company. Um, so it's not just a cut dry, um, because really, in the at the end of the day, if they're wanting to do that, if they're wanting to move to something new, um, a new skill set or they want to move to another office, they're going to do it but probably not with your own company. So it was a way for us to, to keep our talent within house. So. That's I awesome. I resonated with everything that you said. That's As,
1: and I'll just touch on one piece of you know in, in, in our research we've done that we've we've studied this topic extensively across actually all of our practices it lives in talent management lives in HR lives obviously in TA lives in technology and we found a couple of quick things I'll share. One of the major factors that were that was prohibiting the success of internal mobility um with the organizations that we surveyed which that's over 1220 global organizations was their technology um that to me as a former tea leader is surprising because i know that it is something that you can turn on very easy easily within your applicant tracking system there's functionality but things have changed and many organizations don't want recruiters to have that line of sight or that trans, uh, transparency to the folks inside the house because they're so protective they don't want you know us to look at internal talent marketplaces that's not a place i'd want to work I can tell you right now at Deloitte, I mean, it is an open book. You can go do, they want people to move around, have new experiences. That is, it's retention if you think about that. Would you really rather lose your top talent out to somebody else or just move them somewhere within your own firm because guess what? TA has gotten so good. We all know how to recruit well. It's just we have to figure out how to do it a little faster and that's also one of the challenges. There's always that reticence there. But thank you so much for sharing. I'd love to connect with you and hear more about that. But that is exactly change management, leadership support. And sometimes you have to just say, you know what, guys, let's just go do it. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing.
2: Woo-hoo.
1: Thank you. Who else has something to share? Don't be nervous, I don't bite. I just have a bad accent. <laughs> Anyone else? I'll just share two really quick things about alternative workforce and one really quick thing about um, capability. So with the alternative workforce right now is one of the big things that you have to think about um, is we're starting to see a big trend of, of talent that's sitting side by side in highly specialized roles. You all know this, you think about what's happening in Silicon Valley coders, things like that. Um, and, and there's there's something that a, a TA leader said to me about four weeks ago. Said every time someone comes in and contracts for me, the first thing I ask, them to, I ask them for is referrals. I said, really? That's cool. I said, referrals for more people to do temp work? He goes, just referrals. I just wanna know who their network is. They are like a melting pot. They know everybody. So even if you're not planning on doing a lot in terms of optimizing your alternative workforce or trying to tap into that, because it's a huge untapped talent pool, at least ask them for referrals. They'll know someone that maybe wants a full-time job. That's free. It's just free, I don't get like why people, and I I sat there and I'm a few years out of, I mean it's been six years since I actually led a TA function, now I've been six years as an an analyst, but I was like, I don't think I ever did that. So just like little things here and there are really important. And then in terms of capabilities, the one thing that you'll see a lot of is when you have a special need inside your business, and you have to look across your organization, and you're like wow, I need someone who can go do, supply chain or project management is a really good example. If you need people that have certain skills Say whether it be project management, suppose you don't have that in your house, right? But you know over in supply chain or finance, they have it. There's been a lot of organizations that are saying, you know what, we're going out to the network. And we're saying, okay, we have a special need. We're looking for someone who's willing to take a stretch assignment, a high performer, and come do something different. Because it does a couple of things. First, it solves that unique business need. When we talk about redesigning work, talent acquisition has to be a part of that process. Because if we don't know how work's getting done, how the heck are we going to go hire for it? You have to know how work is being done. So that's big. Technology is a big part there. So that's the first thing. And then when we start to look across our own organization, and of course, I call it our talentscape. And of course, the people that, that look, that work for us, think about that. They're already in your organization. They probably already well respected, well networked. You trust them. Why wouldn't you say, Hey, Janie, can you go do this quick, like three month gig or two week gig or two day project and just help us get this work done? Because sometimes you don't have the budget for a temp and you can't pull someone off from another place. Um, So that's capabilities, alternative workforce, and internal mobility. I think this is awesome stuff. But just I wanted to do just some closing thoughts for all of you, and I'm, I'm trying to really keep us on schedule here, but the future of work is here in TA, and TA has to pivot. I mentioned earlier that you can't press pause. You have to be able to deliver talent solutions in the flow of work, solutions that stick, solutions that matter. Work is shifting, for TA, for HR, for all of us, from delivering efficiency. Yeah, I can do it quick, that's important. But wouldn't you rather give your organization value? The days of conveyor belt, post and pray, recruiting, they're gone. We're hiring all the time. We're hiring different people. We're hiring alternatives, we're hiring internals. We're hiring people with different capabilities, not just skills. We can't just start thinking in that singular role singular requisition perspective. It does not make sense and it will not work. If TA doesn't understand and figure out where they wanna play and how they wanna win, again, you will not win. And finally, TA has to start really thinking about that adaptability and really rise up and meet the challenges of, the, of your business as they change. So setting that stagnated, once and one and done, open position report, TA strategy, here's my known sourcing channels, I'm not gonna change from that. And sitting there and just doing things as you've always done them doesn't work in the future of work anymore. It doesn't work today and tomorrow, and it's definitely not going to work five years from now. We're lucky. We live in an era of technology and disruption. It's time that TA take advantage of all these disruptions that have really stymied the function from innovating and saying, the heck with it. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to roll up my sleeve, and like we just heard in the last session, just get a little dirty and have some fun along the way. So if there's no more questions, I will wrap and I will give 27 seconds early. But I thank you for your your contributions and listening and enjoy the rest of this awesome show. They're doing a great job. Thank you.
0: This episode of the Hiring Success podcast may be over, but that doesn't mean the discussion has to end. To keep the convo going, head to our newly launched site, hiringsuccess.com, an interactive online community to shape the future of recruiting. Once again, that's Hiring Success, just like the name of this podcast, dot com.